0: Psalm 23. (laughs) It's obviously somebody's never seen me with skinny jeans. (laughs) Psalm 23. Uh, We're going to talk about the names of God again this week. We started a series, and um, it's been a great series. The goal of the series is for us to grow closer in our walk with Jesus Christ. That's the goal of the series. And by us knowing God and knowing who He is and knowing His names... That allows us to identify certain characteristics and certain attributes of God that we can look to in our life, that we can learn, that we can use, that we can use for worship, we can use for wisdom, we can use for guidance and direction, and for to knowing God better, to know who He is. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk about Psalm 23. And uh, do you ever get overwhelmed with life? I mean, you get to the point where you just don't know if you can take it anymore. Like, like it's to the point where maybe you're a single mom, you have all the duties of raising, uh, raising your children, it's piled on top of you, and you just get so overwhelmed, you don't know who to talk to, you don't know where to turn, or maybe you are working on a difficult project at work, or maybe you have to deal with the FDOT, um, something like that, But and you're just wiped out, you're just tapped out, you're just to the max, like you can't take it anymore, every day you go to work you just feel like I can't do it again, and you know the next day you again and again and again. Maybe you're dealing with a health problem and it really swept you off your feet and you have to go day after day after day not knowing if you're going to get better or if it's going to be any better. Maybe it's in a relationship in your marriage. You just feel like it's just to the breaking point and everything's to be going so well but all of a sudden something comes and sweeps you off your feet, sweeps it through the uh, and you just see your relationship crumbling. And I think one thing that's common to all people is that life can throw you overwhelming things sometimes. And as you go through life, you, you, you know it's true. I've said it before. I've experienced this. You're either heading into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're out of a storm, it seems to be. And so you go through all sorts of things. You get overwhelmed. Tough times and hard times are not just saved for the wicked or the ungodly. Christians go through cancer. Christians go through loss. Christians go through heartaches and pain. They come to all of us, including Christians. Sometimes you're just overjoyed. You're so excited. You're so happy. Everything goes through. Everything goes so great. And all you do is sit back and think about the blessings God has given you and all the things that you have and all the family that you have and you count your blessings, especially this week at Thanksgiving. We think about it. And you just pinch yourself to see if it's even real. Like, could this be real that God has blessed me so much? Great thing in my life. I'm just overjoyed. Your heart. Praise and glory. Sometimes in life you get bored. You just kind of go through the motions. You just kind of go through the time like a robot. Like like you don't really feel like you're making an impact, but you just get up every day and do the same old thing again and again and again. Over and over and over, and life is boring. Sometimes in life, you get anxious. Sometimes you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what happens in your job. You know what's going to happen in your relationship. You don't know if you're going to be able to afford a new car. You don't know how things are going to turn out with your kids. You don't know if they're going to do not well and their path in life. And all of a sudden, you just have ups and downs. What's common to all of us is the ups and downs of life. It's like a wild roller coaster ride or a rainstorm, right? Let's <laughs> see, so we've had a honking car. We've had a, uh, you yeah, know, parkings full. We have rain. We have mic. It's, it's amazing, right? But life's full of changes. Life's full of a road, roller coaster ride. It reminds me a few years ago, our church went to Wild Adventures in Valdosta, Georgia. It's a redneck color, right? And Tanner talked me into going on this one particular ride with him. And I wouldn't have went with anyone else, but he's like, Dad, will you go with me on this roller coaster? And so against my better judgment, I decided that I would, I would go. And on this roller coaster, you get in, your feet dangle off the ground, you sit in this little contraption thing, you know? And so you sit in this little thing, and all of a sudden, this, these, thing, these bars pull down, and it goes over your shoulder, and you got straps, in it, and it buckles in between your legs, and all of a sudden, when I noticed the, the bars wouldn't go down far enough to buckle in between my legs. And so I was, uh, I was quite full in that little contraption thing there. And I thought, you know what? It's really no big deal if the buckle buckles or not. I'll just hold on to the rail. You know, I'll just hold on to the, to the shoulder part. And so the lady comes by and she's like, you good? I knew she wasn't going to dare to reach in there and see if my buckle was buckled. So I was like, yeah, it's buckled. It's down there, but it's buckled. All right, I'm good. And, uh, and and boy, was I wrong. When that thing took off, it went like from zero to 60, like almost immediately. It went around a curve, over a curve, through a little flip. And I, all I could do was hold on as tight as I could to that thing. And I didn't cuss. I did not cuss. I could tell you I did not cuss. But I screamed and I screamed and I screamed. And I looked over and Tanner was just laughing and laughing and laughing. And I thought, God, if you... Of this I will never ever get on another ride like this because I was afraid because I was there just trying to hold on to it finally it came to a stop I'm like oh man sure enough I go to get out and all of a sudden starts to move backwards (laughs) and it took me backwards through the whole thing again I was I was just blown away I was like this cannot be and so the terror began again and when we stopped we're just all on the ramp and you know, it's, it's, that's the way life is, right? It takes you through flips and turns. And sometimes you don't know if you're buckled in, you're not buckled. Sometimes you're joyful. Sometimes you're fearful. Sometimes you're full of heartache. Sometimes you're full of praise. And, and when, it, when you think it's all over and things settle down, it starts again. It's like something else. But the good news about life is that it's not that it's ever going to have turns or trials or temptations or good times or bad times. The good news is you don't have to do it alone. God doesn't leave us alone. God doesn't make you go through life alone. And this this morning, I want to share with you from Psalm 23, one of the most powerful names of God in the Old Testament, in my opinion. And so if you turn in your Bible to Psalm 23, I want to begin by reading the whole Psalm. And we're going to go back and take it uh, verse by verse and take a look at it. So Psalm 23, many of you may recognize it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And can we just say amen and go home right there? I mean, think about a power that we have in Psalm 23. And obviously, this psalm was written by King David. Um, it was later in his life. He had been through experiences. If you know the story of King David, he, he had been through great victories. He'd been through great defeat, through great loss. He had been through a lot, and David shares this powerful psalm, not as a a rookie, but as a seasoned person who had walked with God for many, many years. And David shares this psalm with you and for me, and verse 1 sets the stage for the whole psalm. And verse 1, as we begin to look at it, as we we begin to break it down, we realize that if verse 1 is not true, then verse 2 through 6 is not true. You see, you got to get verse 1 right first. And then two through six, six can be written. And so in verse one, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Here is your name of God for this week. Jehovah Rohi. R-O-H-I, Jehovah, Rohi. Last week we learned that Jehovah is the self-existing God, the God who needs no help to accomplish His will, the God who can do anything He puts His mind to or His will to. It can be accomplished because He's self-existing. He doesn't need any help. So D- David says, Jehovah, the self-existing God, Rohi, the shepherd of His people. And, and David says, here is the Lord, my shepherd. The Lord Jehovah-Rohi, Ro- my shepherd. You think about it, the first time we see someone refer to the most powerful name of God in a personal sense. When you read in the Old Testament, a lot of times they talk about God as being our God and the God of the Israelites. But now here you see David refer to God in a personal sense. This is my Jehovah-Rohi. This is my personal God. This is the God who is my shepherd. And this is the God, the Lord, who is my shepherd. We find this as a personal confession of David. David is professing God in a very real and personal way. When you think about it for a moment, what a powerful confession. David is not just saying God is God, because he is. And God is God of the Israelites, and he is. And God is God of the creation, and he is. No, he's saying the God of the universe, the creation, and of all Israel, he's my God. He's my shepherd. And David found the secret to life that we must all find. God is not just a God who is distant and disconnected from you or from me. He's a God that when we mention his name, he wants to be there with us. That he is our shepherd. He wants to be with you and with me. God is not just a name we mention when we go to church. God is not just a name we mention when we talk about Christmas or Easter. God is not just a name that we talk about when we mention him in a pledge or an oath. No, God is a shepherding God. He's a personal God. He is a God who wants to have a relationship with you and with individual people. David says he's my shepherd and he follows up quickly with what uh, I shall not want. One Sunday school little boy put it this way. God is my shepherd. What else can I want? (laughs) And it's true. When you find the true meaning of life, when you find that God is your shepherd, when you understand who he is and a relationship with God that you know that nothing else will fill that void. There's nothing else that can fulfill your heart. And David found through many ups and many downs and many things through life, one thing rang clear that his relationship with God was more important than anything else in the world. David had all the money he could have. He had all the fame he could have. He was the hero of Israel when he defeated Goliath. He was the king of Israel who ruled and reigned and extremely wealthy and had all the riches. He had all the fame and all the fortune, everything in between. David had heart. He had failure. He had heartache. He had pain. He had betrayal. He, he had lost his way as well. But through it all, David writes and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. A personal relationship with God. Here's an important question for you. It might be the most important question of life do you know God personally? Do you know God personally? Just like David here personally confesses God, you need to do that in your own life. You don't need a church. You don't need a family. You don't need a country. You don't need anyone else that professes God. You need you to profess God. It's a personal relationship with him that you must personally confess God in your life and he is your shepherd. And if you've never done it, what a great day to do it. What a great day to do it to say he he is my shepherd. He is my Jehovah Rohi and confess him that no matter what happens to me in life, the best of the best and the worst of the worst, God is with me. He is my shepherd and he walks with me and he talks with me. He takes care of me every single day. You think about what we get in a shepherd, specifically the good shepherd. A shepherd is one who takes care of his sheep. I'm the smart one in the room, ain't I? That's a that's a degree from Alabama right there for you. All right, <laughs> a shepherd takes care of sheep. All right, there you go. <laughs> if you think about it, a shepherd does many things for his sheep, and David walks us through that process. So if verse one's true, then verses two through six can be true as well. First, a shepherd provides for his sheep. David says. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. A shepherd would lead his sheep to green pastures so they could easily acquire food. The sheep would all try to leave and go to barren places and wander all over the place. But the shepherd would gather them together and bring them together to take them to green pastures so they could be easily fed and easily provided for. He leads me beside still waters. A shepherd would also make sure he provided water for him either through a well or still waters so that there's no rushing waters or a sheep could easily drown. He would get them and bring them together and and the shepherd would provide for the sheep that had no way of acquiring food or gathering water without a shepherd. You just think about in our lives, this week is Thanksgiving. And when we think about Thanksgiving, not just Thanksgiving to have a good meal with a family, but really a Thanksgiving to tune our hearts towards God. To really tune our hearts towards God just for the simple things in life. When we think about the things that God has provided in our lives. When we take some time to think about God and His provision. When you think about how God has provided for you and for your family. Just to to be living in this country for one thing. Just to provide you with your job that you have. Even though it may not be the best, but it still provides just to, just to provide protection for you in your home and your life and all the things that He has done as a good shepherd, He provides for you and for me. When was the last time you thanked Him for a meal? When was the last time you thanked Him for provision in your life to pay your bills? When was the last time you thanked Him just to, for your job and for the ability to go to work and to make a good living and to be able to provide for yourself? All those things don't come because you are great. All those things don't come because it's by happenstance. No, it's a good shepherd that leads you. And he brings you to green grass. And he brings you to still waters. And he lets you drink and lets you eat. and He provides every one of your needs. In my life, God has proven that to be true. God has not always provided all my greeds. But he has provided all my needs. You can tell I've never missed a meal. probably won't do it any time in the future either. My kids have never missed a meal. We've never done without. And not because I'm so great or not because I could work hard or not because I'm smarter, or not because I could run a business. No, because God is the good shepherd in my life. He's provided for me. He's given to me. And I think about just that him and even in our own church here. As we sit here this morning, how God has provided. Every step of the way, God has provided. He has provided everything we have, and every step of the way for our church, he has provided time and time and time and time again. Matter of fact, this week I was talking to just an inspector that came by here, and we were talking about our building and our process and different things. He says, I said, yeah, well, we've tried. It's taken a little while long, and we thought, and things are coming together well. And he says, man, I think you've done great. He's like, it's just a great testimony for this church to be built in 2020. Can you believe that? He's like, man, can you believe? I, he said, I can't tell you the amount of jobs that I can take you to that just stopped and has quit and just cannot continue anymore. He says, you guys have done good. I was like, wow, that kind of made me feel good. And you're like, yeah, God has done good. He is good. He has provided. And yes, it may have been longer than we thought or it might not be as much as we wanted, as some may want, but God has provided He has provided a place for us. He's provided a place for our family. He's provided a place for us to worship God, to be a testimony to the community that God is faithful, that God does provide, and He is our shepherd. And in your life as well, that God is your shepherd. And we need to be thankful for the provision He has provided. Not only that, but a shepherd restores his sheep. Look at verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You know, a sheep would easily fall. And when a sheep would fall, he can't get back up. When he goes down, he goes down and he, he can't get back up. Kind of like me getting an old age. When I get home from work, something goes to the ground, I'm calling for somebody else to go get it because I know if I go down there, I'm not getting back up very easy. That's why when I drop something, I go down, I make sure there's anything else I can do while I'm down there before I get back up. <laughs> Is there anything else I could do down here while I'm up? Because once I get back up, I'm not going to get back down here. Uh, Or sometimes I just look and say, it's not even worth it. Just leave it there. (laughs) It's not even worth the risk. But listen, sheep fall. Sheep sheep are not perfect. I think when you look to the King David, you can see that in his life. He had fallen. He had fallen to Bathsheba. He had fallen to, to those who had come along and he got used to God's blessings in his life and he did something really stupid he did something sinful he did something that someone would say a king should never do it was an unrighteous thing and listen sheep do stupid things we do ungodly things we do unrighteous things and does the shepherd just stand over us and say I told you and now you're just going to have to lay there and die now you're just going to have to lay there and pay the price. Now you're just going to have to lay there and get out of yourself. I'm not helping you at all. No. The shepherd, he's a, he's a restorer. When we fall, he comes and he restores our soul. He picks us up. He puts us back on our feet again. He washes us off. He leads us back into the paths of righteousness. It's not that we can earn it or that we could ever be righteous enough to earn God's favor. No, it is the shepherd that shepherds us. That when we stumble and we fall, he picks us back up. He leads us in his way and he takes us and he doesn't just say, I told you so and let us go our own way. No, he takes us and he takes care of us and he lifts us back up and he restores our soul. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. He's the good shepherd. He will lay down his life for his sheep. And listen, maybe you're here this morning, you feel like God's done with you because you have fallen. Maybe you feel like all your friends have given up on you. Maybe it's been in a relationship. Maybe it's been in a job. Maybe it's been something in your life. And you feel like God is done with you and everyone else has judged you and no one cares about you. But listen, let me tell you, the good shepherd doesn't give up on you. He never does. This is one of my favorite verses. It's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, for us as Christians, when we come together to the good shepherd and we confess our sins, God, I know I have fallen. God, I know I have fallen short. We have a shepherd who restores us. We have a shepherd who picks us up and puts us And puts us back into the fold, back into the path of righteousness. He doesn't throw us away. He doesn't go get another one. He doesn't make anything up. No, he keeps us. He restores us. He uses us again. And David knows this more of any of us. And for you in your life, may you know this as well. You're going to make mistakes in your marriages. You're going to make mistakes with your kids. Man, every week it's just a new thing that I learned as a parent. When I got married to Aaron, I had no wife and I had, you know, two sermons about marriage. And then I had one wife and no sermons about marriage. <laughs> then I had, you know, 10 messages on kids and no kids. And I had three kids. Now, I have no messages about kids. And listen, when you think you figured it out then you get teenagers and you get after teenagers, you get and then the two boys were going along good. And then Courtney comes along and then you get a girl thrown in the mix. I mean, it's tough and and you learn and you mess up and you blow it and you're not the best parent. You're not always the best wife. You're not always the best husband. You're going to make mistakes. But who is right there to pick you up to restore your soul? The Good Shepherd. So David is saying he's the good shepherd. He comes, he restores us, he leads us into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Third thing a shepherd does, is he protects his sheep. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over you think about it for you are with me and many times we walk through the valley of the shadow of death do we not this is where the times that are so tough that we can't even see our own way these are for the times that when we lose loved ones and when we have cancer and we go through dark times when things that are even indescribable to tell other people that you walk through the valley of the shadow of death he says i will fear no evil Meaning that he will fear nothing that comes against him. Because why? For you are with me. Listen, it's not that God will take us out of every time we're in the valley or every part of the dark spaces of life. No, he lets us walk through them, but he walks through them with us. The promise is that he is there with us. And it's not that we'll ever go through hard times, but that we will never go through hard times alone. That when everyone else walks out on you, God is there with you. That God is with you even when you lose your job. Even when you get a bad doctor's report. Even when you lose a loved one. Even when you fail. He's always there. He never walks out. Never. If you ever had a friend turn his back on you or her back on you and, and lead you down betrayal, you know the feeling. God never runs away. He never leaves us. He's with us all the time. And he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, some believe that this is a representation of the word of god and the holy spirit and we think about it with a rod it's one that's protection one that is is guidance one that protects us from those in the world it's like the word of god as we take the word of god in our life and we use it and we walk and the holy spirit comes and they comfort us as a staff that pulls us back and brings us in the fold and he says he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over if you think about it, when he comes in here, he's just describing someone with a rod and a staff and they put this salve over the, the face of the, of the sheep, so the bugs and all the stuff of the, of, of the nighttime wouldn't come and, and make worms and dig in their nose and their mouth and stuff. So they would put this oil on it like a healing oil over their mouth to keep them protected from all the things that would come to them. So what he says God is there for us, he is there, he walks with us. He's there with us even in the darkest of times several years ago when Tanner was going through some tough times and we were dealing with some of the process that we had with his leg. I can remember one in particular time it just had me down. I was having a good old pity party. You guys know I love pity parties. And uh, I was just really discouraged. And I remember I was trying to work and still preaching and still doing this stuff. And I was trying to work through the church. and I was just so discouraged. I felt like, you know, God, all the stuff I'm trying to do, I just can't believe that this this is happening like this keeps the bad news just keeps coming like we don't ever get a break we don't ever get something positive out of the out of the news and so I can just remember I was I was just saying God you know I need something you know what what can I have what where, where can I go and just and just randomly I was driving down the road I remember we was we living on Fruit Cove Road I would just come around the corner and on the radio the song come on your love never fails and I never listened to it before sorry Josh I don't they listened to the words of me. Real artsy kind of guys, you could tell. Um, but I just started listening to the words. And this is where the words and it stuck with me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. Your, it never gives up. It never runs out on me because on and on and on and on it goes before it overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I never ever have to be afraid. One thing remains. This one thing remains. Your love never fails and never gives up and it never runs out on me. And I could tell you, I'm not much of a crier, <laughs> but that brought tears to my eyes. Because when I could think about all the dark times in life and the heartaches and the pains and the trials, that God was there with me. And he never runs out on you. He never runs out on me. He's a good shepherd. He never fails. He walks through every step of the way. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we will fear no evil, for we know that God is with us. Man, if you could think about that in your life, I don't know what you're going through. You know, I think a lot of times at church, we hide a lot of our sorrow, a lot of our pain, because we feel like we just got to be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. But listen, we go through tough times too. And maybe you're carrying around something that's weighted you down and you feel like God's let you down in something or something may not be right in your life. Let me tell you as one who's been through something like that to stand and say, God will be with you. He will be with you every step of the way. He never runs out. He never leaves you. He never will forsake you. He is the good shepherd. And like David, you can call upon his name and he will be with you every step of the way. He's a good shepherd. David also comes to his conclusion now and he's wrapping up his testimony. He says in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Think about that. He begins with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he ends with, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, what a, what a testimony. And listen, life is full of twists and turns and ups and downs. But it's not meant to be a lived apart from God. Jehovah-Rohi, the great shepherd, the shepherd who will be the shepherd of your soul. He comes and he will protect you. He will guide you. He will provide for you. But as we get to the conclusion of life, he will always be with you. And we can look back and say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever is that the kind of testimony you want that's the kind of testimony I want and you know for us as Christians when we go through tough times people look to us and when the nation goes through hard times when a family or a community goes through a tough times who do you turn to it's not knowing God is a God who's the creator, a God who is a God who you say his name when you go to church, or God is a God who is mentioned in our pledge or part of our country. No, who is God to you? Who is God to you personally? Have you gotten to the point in your life where you can just really know that you know God, like David has gotten to the point in his life where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, what else should I want? Because I can tell you in life, you're going to chase after a lot of things. And David had it all, fame. He had fortune. He had possessions. He had everything you could ever imagine. And he came to the conclusion that all people will come to. The only thing that matters is a relationship with God. And for you and for me, that's the most important question we could ever ask. Do you know Jehovah-Rohi? Is the Lord your shepherd? And if he's not, you'll have to walk through this life alone. You'll have to face every heartache and trial alone you won't be able to give praises for blessings and honor and glory and praises to God because you don't know God and this morning the challenge for David and for us in our own life is if we don't know Jehovah or Rohi that we get to know him this morning and if you do know him then we need to look to our life and see how he has provided for us see how he has protected us and see how he has guided us and see how he has moved us along in our life. And we, too, should turn our hearts to thanksgiving and praise this morning. Listen, thanksgiving is really just a time of year that we come together and we set aside to say thanks to God and to many things in our families and our homes. But really, as Christians, we should be doing it every day of our lives. That we should be thanksgiving, not just thanksgiving every, every once a year. And listen, for us as Christians, many times we don't count our blessings. And we don't go through them and name them one by one. You know, Pastor Lindsay used to say, you need to thank God for even the small things. As you thank God for the small things, you'll start be thankful, being thankful for the great things. He would always recommend for people who get married for the first, time, for the first year of their marriage that they write down everything they're thankful for in their mate. He challenged people to write down 100 things. Aaron struggled with that a little bit, but I think she eventually got. <laughs> I think she eventually got to the hundred mark uh, after a couple of years. But it is true. You want to complain? You want to gripe? It's easy to find the faults. It's easy to find the problems. It's easy to point out the obvious. But when we look and we begin to dig, and we become grateful for the little things, for the things that your spouse does for you for the things that you love about your job, for the things that you love about the provision that God has given you, little things. Thankful for your taste buds if you're going to be able to eat food this week week for Thanksgiving. Thankful for your eyesight. Thankful for your hearing. Thankful for just the little things that all the things he has provided for you and for me. May we turn our hearts into gratefulness and thankfulness, not complaining, not whining, not talking about how good other things could be, but what God has given us to turn our hearts to thanksgiving for him. So if you need Christ as your great shepherd, you need to do that this morning, or if you need to turn your heart in thanksgiving for the great shepherd in your life, that's what we need to do this morning as well. Let's pray together.